out from whom all the body being joined together and being knit together through every joint of the rich supply and through the operation in the measure of each one part causes the growth of the body unto the building up of itself in love. Ephesians 4.16 This week we begin a new series titled The Vital Groups. We're speaking from Brother Andrew Yu on the need for vital groups in the church life. This is part one of message three from a conference hosted by the church in New York City in November 2015. Now at the beginning uh, of this time that we had, I said we want to cover six matters. We cover one and two, the living and the initiation, which is consecration. This afternoon, I want to talk about the vital groups. Now, I know a lot of you have heard about the vital groups, but what you're going to hear this afternoon is something that you may not have heard before. And so, you be prepared to be challenged, or you be prepared to be inspired however you see it. So um, I asked the uh, PowerPoint to come on, and instead of the frame number one, go to frame number three first. And in frame number three, it links the matter of the vital group to Ephesians chapter four, and that's how I would start. It says, the vital group for the realization of the perfecting of the saints in Ephesians 4. Now, we know that Ephesians 4 talks about how Christ formed the body. And it formed the body by him ascending to the heavens. And then, in his ascension, he uh, make us all captives and then make these captives uh, the gifts. And then the gifts, in turn, produce the uh, saints for the perfecting of the saints. And that brings in the building up of the body of Christ. And this is what we're going to talk about. Consecration it's not just for our individual pursuit. Don't forget the Princess Lucia that I talk about. That's the will of God. And keep that will of God as a focus, which, according to Ephesians 4, is the building up of the body of Christ. And so, what are we giving our life to? We're giving our life to live for Christ, and we're giving our life for the building up of the body of Christ. But the building up of the body of Christ is not something very, very abstract. I'm going to relate it in a very, very practical term this afternoon. So first, read something from Brother Lee on fellowship concerning the need of the vital groups. And it's spoken in the context of why we need the vital groups. 
So it says the purpose of the vital groups is to increase perfecting and building up of the body of Christ. And the vital groups are to gain the increase, finish the perfecting, and complete the building. So that's what the vital group really is. <clears throat> it's not just to make us vital. And above all, which is what I want to emphasize this afternoon, it's not a meeting. A lot of the um, uh, saints, especially the young ones, when they hear, oh, vital group, whoa, I thought we have enough meetings already. Now we got another vital group, and so we add, add to another meeting. I can't handle it. So right off the uh, beginning, they said, I'm turned off. I can't, I can't handle the vital group. So this afternoon, First of all, I want to forget, I want you to forget about the idea of having a meeting. Then what is vital group? And we'll come to that in a minute. And, uh, but first of all, just remember, in Ephesians chapter 4, the Lord never talked about building up a meeting. He talked about building up the body of Christ, that's for sure. But what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is something organic uh, in the same nature as, as the head. So the next uh, quotation says, Ephesians chapter 4.12, talk about the perfecting of the saints that each one may do, each one may do the unique work of the ministry and that is to build up the body of Christ. So who are the each ones? That's you. That means every one of us can have a part in the building up of the body of Christ. Just like in the Old Testament, when they built the tabernacle, I share with you this morning that everyone has a part in the building up of the tabernacle, in that they all have a part in that consecration. So this is the purpose of the vital move to have these groups. And so, <clears throat> now please go back to frame number one. Uh, and we'll see what Ephesians chapter 4 says. It says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, and shepherds, for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of the ministry, unto the building up of the body of Christ, until we all arrive at a full-grown man, at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then it says in verse 15, holding to truth in love. So what is holding? That is maintaining a kind of relationship between you and the head. And we may grow up into him in all things. Who is the head, Christ? In verse 16, out from whom? Out from this spot. Being joined together and knit together through every joint of the rich supply and through the operation in the measure of each one part causes the growth of the body unto the building of itself in love. So far, very familiar, right? You all know this 
portion of the word. Now, let's go to frame number four. Oh, sorry, I missed one thing. Frame number two first. And this is a quote from uh, Watchman Lee. And he's uh, talking about the whole body rising up to serve. And he says, one day we will all pass away. And another generation will rise up. Then the next generation that bring in must not be made up of three or five servants, but must be made up of the whole church serving. If one day the whole church rises up to do everything by itself, with the whole church preaching the gospel and the whole church edifying each other, that will be the day when the world will see the church doing a new thing on earth. Today, the whole problem lies with you and me. We must help every brother and every sister to serve and to make everyone a priest of God. Some, after this morning's meeting, a sister came and said, what happened with the flesh? <clears throat> Here, Watchman, the answer is, some may have the flesh. But we still have to ask them to work. Some brothers say that they have so little that it would be better if they hit it. But we have to tell them that they cannot do it. It is an easy thing for the one talented ones to hide what they have. Many brothers and sisters feel that since they make mistakes no matter what, how they work, then they may as well not work at all. But we have to ask them to work. This is the way. Please believe my words. In the not too distant future, such a church will appear. By that time, men will see Philadelphia, the genuine brotherly love. So that's Watchman Lee. He saw a vision, and what is that vision? The vision is that the whole church, everybody rising up to serve. You know what Brother Lee was doing in the 80s? I was exactly to carry out this. He wants to see the whole body rising up to serve, not just a few on Sunday morning giving messages and, uh, and just uh, restricted to a few, but that everybody, the whole church, would rise up. So the first thing he said was to change from the big meetings to the small meetings, and then eventually from the small meetings to the group meetings, and then eventually from the group meetings to the home meetings, and then finally, after he got back to America from the home meetings to no meeting at all, just vital groups. And the vital group is one person being vitalized and then establishing a relationship with another person. And then after they establish a relationship, then they go out and establish more relationship with the third person. That actually is a vital group. And so you may say that the vital group is the meeting, but not all meetings are vital groups, that's for sure. And uh, like I told you this morning, my wife went to a denominational church for one year, and she has no relationship with anybody. And uh, uh, if you read the, the Pew study, 
He said, uh, uh, young people are leaving the mega churches and mass. And the reason is that they don't feel that they belong. So they don't belong. They just go there to listen to some kind of performance. And uh, so the mega churches try to be better and better and better at the performance. But uh, uh, what is the church? The church is in relationships. And uh, <clears throat> the relationships is like the connection between the cells in the body. So the body is not connected by nail and steel. It's connected by uh, one cell related to another. Okay, so that's clear. Now go to the fourth frame. The fourth frame, I give you a picture of Ephesians 4. You have Christ, and then he gave the gifts, and then the gifts perfect the saints. Now what is the relationship between Christ and the gifts? One verb, and the verb is gave, and he gave. And that's a relationship that uh, the Lord uh, is constantly giving. And then what is the relationship between the gift and the saints? They perfect. And perfect is not in the meeting. Perfect is another kind of relationship. And uh, you, you're related to your son and you're perfecting your son, but uh, you don't, you don't uh, perfect him in meeting. It's in the relationship that you perfect your son. And then the gifts are joined together and then the saints are knit together. So you can quickly go over the next few frames. The next one tells us the relationship between Christ and the gifts is in this word giving. Then the next frame, the relationship between the gifts and the saints is in the perfecting. Then the next frame, that the relationship between the gifts and the gift is in the joining, and the relationship between the saints and the saints are in fitting. Now, in all of these relationships, there's no mention of any meeting. It's not a meeting. It's a matter of relationships. And building up an organic relationship with Christ, and building up an organic relationship with the believers, and building up an organic relationship with each other. So it's pretty clear, uh, very simple, and uh, all of you young people, you should understand it. So let's go to the next one. Now you get the gifts producing the saints, and the saints becomes a gift, and they produce more gifts, uh, more saints, and then each one of them is joined back to Christ by being subdued and uh, defeated by Christ, and then Christ giving them back to the church, and so each one is also joined to Christ. And so you start having this body growing. And this body grows just like your human body grows, not by uh, nails and uh, stone, but by just growing in the relationship of more cells and more cells. So let's go to the next one. Oh, well, uh, I don't know if I want to talk to you about this one. <laughs> go ahead. This is a chart of Brother Lee in 1980. 
1971. And he was projecting how the church would grow and grow and grow. And it's, uh, if you look at the bottom right uh, corner, it says, uh, it is based on an annual increase of 35%. And uh, for those who can uh, understand or read Chinese, it's in his handwriting that he wrote to Liu Sui, and he said, This is the foresight of the Lord's work in America. Please pray for this. And you can see that according to that projection, by 1982, there should be uh, 66,900 uh, 66, people with uh, 500 already migrated to the Middle East and 400 migrated to the other countries. And there are a total of 230 churches with 66,000 people in USA. Now, you may say it doesn't mean much to you. Well, it means a lot to me. Because when I see what Brother Lee's dream was, and I see what our situation at present is, I said, well, we're way, way far from what Brother Lee's uh, uh, consideration is. And this is just an example. Now let's go to the next frame. And <laughs> it compares the rate of increase of human cells with bacteria. So the human cell... Uh, I'm not a medical doctor, so forgive me if I uh, pronounce it wrong. Granulocytes, eosinophils, <laughs> basophils, neutrophils, 10 hours to 3 days, they replicate. Stomach lining cells, 2 days. Sperm cells, 2 to 3 days. Colon cells, 3 to 4 days. Epithelia of small intestines, uh, one week or less. Platelets, 10 days. Skin epidermal cells, two to four weeks. Lymphocytes, two months to a year, highly variable. Red blood cells, four months. Stomach lining cells, two days. Macrophage, uh, months, years. Endothelial cells, months, years. Pancreas cells, one year or more, bone cells, 25 years to 30 years. So uh, that's how the human cell multiplies. Now look at how fast uh, compared with bacteria. Bacteria multiplies every 20 minutes. So in 12 hours, they multiply 10 to the 7th or 10 to the 8th power. So you got the point. So who wins? When you get a cold, somebody is multiplying a whole lot faster than you are, and so you lose. So whoever that multiplies faster wins. Whoever that don't multiply eventually loses. And what is a dead body? A dead body is the body that doesn't multiply anymore. You get the point. All right. <clears throat> now, so that links the vital group with Ephesians chapter 4.
And I just show you what Ephesians chapter 4 is all about. It's not about meaning. It's not about organization. It's not about anything that you see in Christianity today. It's about the picture of vital relationships. So you may equate the word vital group with vital relationships. So it's a relationship. It's not meeting. It's not just a kind of a structure. It's having some kind of relationship. So some of you know that last year I got my second stroke. And I was lying in the hospital bed in Korea. And I start thinking about this matter. And I realize, I start realizing that the entire book of the Gospel of John is talking about relationships. Uh, it's not talking about meetings. Well, I'll uh, point out to you first in chapter 6. Uh, we all know that chapter 6 talks about eating Jesus. He that eats me will live because of me. Uh, we are, we're all familiar with that. But listen, in that whole chapter, the Lord Jesus didn't talk about anything except his relationship with believers. That's all he talked about. First thing he said, you have to come to me. Uh, uh, if you don't come to me, then uh, you won't have eternal life. So what, what is coming to Christ? It's a relationship. And people say, oh, they're work concepts. So they say, well, what is to uh, do the work of God? Well, the Lord says, believe in me. That's to do the work. So, you come to me, you believe me, and then you live by me. How? By eating me. So, you get into a deeper and deeper relationship with the Lord. And so, what is to eat the Lord? To eat the Lord is just to have a living relationship with him. And you move on, and you have chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. And that's the heart of that book. Now, you just consider from this perspective, what are those four chapters talk about? First, in chapter 14, the Lord said, don't let your heart be troubled, because um, if you believe God, you believe in me also. Then he went on to describe about his relationship with the Father. He said, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me. So anybody that believes in me, he, they will be brought into a kind of relationship with me that is like my relationship with the Father. So my relationship with the Father is the model, and uh, that is my that model is your goal, that eventually you would get into me in the same way that I'm in the Father. So I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me, and then if you love me, then we'll make a mutual abode in you. What is that? That is to build up a relationship. And uh, that's in a very simplified way what chapter 14 is talking about. Okay, then in chapter 15, it says, okay, this relationship got to be uh, extended. So it's not just your relationship with me and my relationship with the Father. He said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. 
Then what is the next thing? It says, okay, the thing about the branches is they all bear fruit. So you bear fruit. And uh, now, John chapter 15 never says that to bear fruit is to be nice, to be kind, to be uh, live out all the Christian virtues and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It never says that. And some of you say, I know what the next thing you're going to say. The bare fruit is to preach the gospel and to get people saved. Well, neither does chapter 15 say anything like that. It doesn't say anything about uh, preaching the gospel and getting people saved. Then right after, he said, okay, you need to bear fruit. If you don't bear fruit, it's gonna cut, I'm going to cut you off and you're going to be burned to fire. Then what's the next thing he said? Read your chapter 15. It says, love one another. If you love one another, then you're my disciples. What does that mean? That means that this intimate and, and uh, organic relationship need to be extended. And now it's not just our relationship with the Father <clears throat> and with the Son. Now it's being increased. And that increase is the fruit bearing, is the branching out. And so it's still the relationship but it's the extension of relationship. Then in chapter 16, I'm going over it very fast. Then in chapter 16, from the perspective of uh, relationships. So he said, now there's this relationship that I have with the Father. Then I'm going to send you the comforter. And the comforter is going to be with me. And whatever he says, I am. So, the comforter is this extension of the relationship between the father and the son. And that relationship is going to be in you. So here, it reveals the entire mystery of the Trinity as being a relationship between the father, the son, and the spirit. And this one is going to be abiding in us to extend to become the mutual habitation of God. Then you move on to chapter 17. Well, uh, not yet. Then in chapter seven, 16, it says that this uh, corporate expression is going to be <clears throat> the house of the Father. Uh, it's going to be the, uh, the vine tree of the Son. And then it's going to be the child of the Holy Spirit. And what is that, that house, that divine, that uh, child? It's just the extension of relationships. And you go on to chapter 17. In chapter 17, everybody knows it is the Lord's Prayer. And he prays for oneness. And he prays that the believers would get into the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, in a relationship that is so one that it's not two becoming one, is actually two as one. So it's you can uh, use your imagination on how two can become one, but you can't imagine how two can be one and one can be two. It's it's too contradicting thing. And so brotherly use a word, and I think it's a wonderful word, and the word is incorporation. And so the ultimate relationship between 
the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and us and the triune God is the relationship of incorporation. So first, we are related to the triune God through uh, union. We're, we're united with him. Then we're related to the triune God through mingling. And that's uh, even more. Then you get into a relationship with the triune God, which is you get incorporated into him, meaning that it's not two becoming one, but two as one. And how can two be as one? I, I don't know. So it's just the divine and mystical realm of describing a kind of relationship. And that relationship is going to be uh, what will glorify the Father. So if you look at this that way, I'm uh, helping you to understand and how to interpret the Bible. If you look at it that way, then the entire Gospel of John is about relationship. And so that's what I'm going to talk about this afternoon, is relationship. Thank you for joining us today. To hear the complete recording and other messages, please visit livingtohim.com. If you would like to receive regular updates from us, please subscribe to this podcast and join our mailing list on our website. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where our handle is at livingtohim.com.